Welcome back to Women's Wealth, The Middle Way, the show that answers your questions about work, money, and family. My name is Susan McGlory Michael, and I am the CEO and founder of Glen Eagle, a wealth management firm in New Jersey. Our guest today is Rebecca Grabowski. Rebecca was named the head coach of the Temple University women's rowing team in 2012 and led the team to take third place in 2018 American Athletic Conference Championship and this year, 2019, first place in Dadville. I asked Rebecca to join us today because I have a personal connection to Rebecca. For many years, we have been very close friends with Rebecca's family. Rebecca and many of her teammates, when they were younger and trying out for the Olympics, actually lived with us. And I not only grew to admire her and her ambition and her drive, but as I've watched her through the years marry, have children, and continue her career, I have wanted for a very long time to ask her to join us as a guest. So thank you, Rebecca. Thanks for having me. I remember after graduating and coaching for a few years at Holy Cross, you continued actually your rowing career. Mm -hmm. I would love you to share with everyone your accomplishments during those years. And then when you competed in the U.S. Olympic team trials, I watched how you went through that. And then the the sheer, um, I, I can't even describe the excitement and joy of when you accomplished so much in one. Could you... I know that's a few years ago, but I would love you just to go back (laughs) for so many people who are competing in sports or are striving for that level of accomplishment. What was that like graduating and then coaching and then saying, no, this is about something I need to do for myself? Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I. Um, it's funny. I was doing some quick math when we were talking earlier, and I mean, the fact that we've known each other for 14 years is really funny. And that was after I had graduated from college, so it's been it's been a wild ride. Um, I, coaching, I feel very fortunate. Just rowing has literally changed my life. I, I didn't row in high school. I was a I was a runner and turned into a rower when I got to college. I had had some just kind of chance interactions. My pediatrician, actually, of all people, had he was a rower. His kids rowed. He said, you know, you're relatively tall. I'm not, I'm not so tall in the rowing world anymore, but back then I was tall in, you know, in middle school and in high school. And he said, when you get to college, you should think about trying out for rowing. You've got an aerobic base and you're relatively tall. And so I kind of went to school with a new knowledge that I wanted to walk on to the team and and try to row. I had no idea, kind of looking backwards, obviously it all makes sense, the trajectory of it, but it literally changed my life um, in so many amazing ways. When I graduated, I didn't start rowing until college. Like I said, so four years of rowing, I got done and my college coach saw in me some things that I didn't even know were there. And so he was the one that planted seeds of, you know, maybe this could go further than your college career and maybe you could try out and be fast enough to row for the United States at the national team level. Um, So he had planted those seeds and kind of helped me navigate the beginning of that career. Um, And then when I graduated, not quite knowing exactly what I was going to do next, I was considering grad school for a couple different options um, and was still kind of in a little bit of a holding pattern. And he said, you know, why don't you stick around here and train? 
for a little bit, learned to row a, a small boat. So I rode a pair with one of my teammates, and then he knew what was coming. But I didn't realize it at the time that um, the first full-time assistant coaching position at Holy Cross was on the very near horizon. And so I interviewed for that in the middle of my summer after I graduated. I was in the middle of training and interviewing for uh, an assistant coaching position. So I kind of fell into coaching, um, and it, it just felt like such a natural fit. So I, it, I loved it. I mean, I, I loved rowing. I loved racing. I loved competing as an athlete. And so this was kind of a natural extension of that. It was all of the things that I loved about about rowing as an athlete, but on the on the other side of it. So it just felt like I didn't have to leave the sport that I had just kind of gotten into. And so then when I graduated, I, like I said, fell into coaching for about two years and then decided that I wanted to continue with the national team. I'm sort of learning how to train and learning how to coach, um, learning how to train at a high level, learning how to coach at the collegiate level. So a lot of learning in those first few years. And it got to a point where I knew I had to make a decision that if I wanted to continue my own personal rowing career, I needed to leave Worcester, Massachusetts. It wasn't really a hotbed for elite rowing. So I, I moved down <laughs> to Philadelphia. Um, I knew that coaching would always be there and, and again, Patrick, my college coach, was very instrumental in helping me navigate that. I mean, it was a definitely a time of growth and questioning, and, and could I do this? Would I be able to do it? And I remember, you know, a lot of some tearful discussions and talking to my parents, and they said, you know, what do you want to do, or what are you trying to get out of this? And I said, I just, I don't want to look back and wonder what if when I'm 60 or 70 years old, like, could I have made the team? Would I have been good enough? Do I have what it takes? And so they were like, well, there's your answer. So I moved down to Philly and, and chased the national team dream for a while and met some amazing, amazing teammates, people that were in my wedding and are friends forever and learned a lot about myself, um, got exposure to the highest level of coaching that I could and um, met some amazing people along the way. And um, and then I always knew that when I was done with the, my own rowing career, I'd get back into coaching eventually, which is kind of how it, it naturally drew me back in. I guess I, I always knew I would be in rowing forever. And here I am. So yeah, the, I learned a lot, a lot of failures, to be honest, along the way. I, mean, I trained for I think I went to national team trials seven times um, and won once. So there were a lot of, it was a, a lot of not getting what I wanted and then having to say, is this really something I want to do again? Because you have to train for a whole other year in order to get the chance to go to trials again and, and earn the opportunity to represent the United States. So definitely a, a lot of, a lot of soul searching and a lot of, of learning how to be resilient and pick yourself back up. All skills, which I think have, have translated into coaching um, as you're trying to build a program here. So it's been a, it's been a pretty wild ride. <laughs> it has. And, you know, I, I remember you're going through that journey. And I do remember the times of really pretty lows of, wow, a whole year and, and I, mm-hmm. I didn't make it. But the fact yep. of your resilience, I think, is the real message here. It was not giving up. And, you know, you started the conversation by saying you had a coach who planted the seeds and navigated your mm-hmm. career and knew before you. And then your parents saying, you know, when you said, what, you know, what if I, what if I look back and I'll regret not doing this? And they said, you have your answer. You know, I, I also remember the celebration and the joy of when you mm-hmm. won. What inspired you to behind your rowing career? How did it lead you then back to coaching? So here you have this high and now you're going back into coaching. And when you go back into coaching, I remember then it went into marriage and then you started to become a mom. And so now right. you're not only coaching, but you're a mom. How do you balance being both? And, and what was sort of your views of how am I going to do this? Yeah, there's times when I'm 
still not sure how I'm doing it, <laughs> but there are other times where I feel like I've got it figured out, you know, and I, I joke that Andrew, my husband and I met through rowing. We met on Boathouse Row, both training at the elite level. Um, so again, rowing is changing my life in so many ways and bringing people into it that are so important. And this is one of those things that if you're at the beginning of your journey with your either your career or your relationship, I think choosing someone that supports what you're doing and, and understands the demands of coaching. And I thankfully Andrew was a rower and, and also loves kind of coaching and, and being part of this journey with me. So um, I feel very fortunate that he is so supportive because it's, it is a non-traditional type of job. Um, so, you know, long hours and trips away and racing weekends, but he's as excited about the whole process as I am. And he's really invested in the success of the team and the success of me as a, as a coach, as a head coach. And so I feel really fortunate. I also have an amazing support system of, um, you know, my mother-in-law is in Philadelphia, my brother-in-law is in Philadelphia, my parents are down in Delaware. So there's definitely a lot of reaching out. I, that was actually something that for me was, a, that was a hard transition to be honest with you was learning how to ask people for help because I'm not, not really good at that. Um, I like to be able to figure it all out on my own. For a long time being a head coach, I, I didn't have children and I, I could kind of take it all on and do everything I needed to do myself and it was fine. And then you realize that that's not going to fly at this point. It's impossible. So that's been a transition. It's still something that I'm working on is that asking for help thing. Thankfully, there's a lot of people that, that want to help and it's a skill that I'm trying to, I guess like a muscle that I'm trying to flex and be better about asking for help and, and creating that support system. Um, so yeah, thankfully there are a lot of people that are equally invested. Once you start asking around and building that community, you get a lot of people that are excited to help out in any way they can, whether it's with kids or with the team. Um, so that's the thing about rowing and sports in general, I think the community that it creates and the, and the connections that you make, everyone is invested in the, in the success. Feel really fortunate for that as well. Like the community that comes with the rowing and with, and with the kids. I mean, having kids, it sort of opened up a whole new community to me. Of, of moms who are in the rowing world, and so that's been really fun too. And it's been a it's been a really interesting transition, um, and really fun. I'm excited to see where it goes, yeah. and I got to continue to learn how to ask for help. <laughs> that's right, and you know, I, I think you're so transparent because I think if it's whether it's sports or business or anywhere, it is hard for I think we as women sometimes to ask for help. But I think that the fact right. that you're sharing that is it helps other people say, you know, that's true. I need to do that. But I happen to have some inside information that I think there's two your parents that are in Delaware absolutely love the time they get to spend with their grandchildren. <laughs> it's so, funny. My husband so, is like, oh, we don't want to overwhelm them. I'm like, I really don't think they mind. <laughs> <laughs> so FYI for all those grandparents Perfect. out there, probably all say, we really don't mind that. That's yeah. sort of a joy. Um, I do. You know, <laughs> I also have a great network of babysitters, too. The team is amazing. I mean, I think that's something that I feel really fortunate in a career where I can have – I mean, I bring my kids to practice sometimes and they, you know, running around the erg room. I used to joke that Evan, when he was little, was the only person that thought that the, the erg room, our indoor training facility in the winter was a peaceful place. Like most of the time it's like crazy music and yelling and it's, you know, you're working really hard and it's not the most pleasant experience as an athlete. And he would sleep through the most ridiculous practices and all the noise. Um, so I feel fortunate that I'm in a position where I can bring them. I have a really great athletic department too. There's a lot of kids around. So it's a, it's, 
it's a fun place to raise kids, really. Well, and it, it's also a beautiful location. I, I love driving by it. But, you know, mm-hmm. I, I just can't thank you enough for joining us. But there's one um, little piece of advice I'd love you to leave, me, leave us with. There are so many women that are listening. And if there are women who are looking um, at a sport to maybe become professional sports or to become a coach or even um, – someone who's saying, you know, I, I don't know if I can pursue this and something else, medical school or becoming, mm-hmm. you know, a technician or something like that. What would your advice be for a woman out there who's trying to juggle maybe two different things and make decisions? Oh, man, I I would say we need you. I think, um, you know, especially with sport, but just women in the workforce, women in the world, I mean, need to support each other and, and, and I try to ask for help when we can, but definitely, especially with women in, in coaching and in leadership positions, that's something that I've become more and more aware of um, and learning more and more about um, women in leadership positions in business in particular and in sport and it's everywhere in the world. Um, the lack thereof or the lack of access to female leaders um, and the lack of role models sometimes. And so it's definitely not something that I take lightly, that I can be standing in front of a team of 55 women on a daily basis and kind of showing them how to navigate having a career, having a family, tr- doing both at a, at a hopefully a high level um, for the most part, and that it can be done. Um, and so I, I do think that is definitely a responsibility that I've become more and more aware of the longer I the longer I coach and, and helping the women that I work with to navigate the world that live in and, and giving them the tools to be empowered and feel like they can take on everything. And, and I think that's really, I think it's something that's important. And I think the more we continue to talk to each other as women and, and realize how amazingly powerful we are um, and keep the conversation going. I think it's one of those things where when you become aware of it, you know, some of the challenges that we do face, the more you talk about it, the more aware you become and the more you can lead people into that conversation, the more powerful it becomes and the more easy it is to work towards solutions. And, and so I think that's that's a really important message. So keep going. I actually can't thank you enough because listening to you, I think you're a great role model with so many women and a great role model to your children because Here's a mom that's spending a lot of time with them, bringing them to work with her, and they see what you've accomplished. And I just think so. For me, you're you're you've been a role model for me for many years. I have just been so in awe of your determination, and I think the world of you and your family. But that's why I thought it would be really fun to have you on the podcast. So thanks for joining us. Today. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for tuning into today's episode of Women's Wealth, The Middle Way. Make sure to subscribe to us and leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcast app. Join us for new episodes every other Wednesday. See you in two weeks.